0: Welcome to the very first episode of One More Story, a podcast of improvised bedtime stories for children and for parents who are just too exhausted to tell their children one more story. We are so excited to have the illustrious actress Sarah Bulger as our first guest tonight. But before we introduce her and do a brief interview, just a little programming note, parents, if you would like to skip ahead and get straight to the first story. You can find it at the seven minute fifteen second mark. Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: First of all, I'm terrified that this is your first one. That is, um, so it can only go up from here, I guess is the way.
0: Oh, it's gonna be great. You know,
1: it's like the pancake, right? Like audiences will watch the first one and they'll be like, "Oh, yeah," but like throw that one out, and then like the second one will be good. You know, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. I think it'll be great. Um, so yes, I uh, I started acting when I was very very young. I um, grew up in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and I've been an actress for, as I said, a very long time, 24 years, which seems like forever. It's, in fact, all I remember. Wow. I know. So that's craziness. But right now I'm filming um, the final season of um, of an FX show called Minds MC. And then previously I've just been lucky enough to be able to just do some movies and TV shows along the way and all good stuff.
0: Very nice. So story has shaped you from a very early age then.
1: To the point where I remember the characters I've played better than I've remembered the life experiences I've had, specifically in my youth. Like, don't remember oh, no. the stuff in school. Don't necessarily remember the friendships. Like, you know, you do, but I, I moved to school quite a bit, so I'm talking like early, early, like seven, eight, six years old, and um, yeah, like I remember the stories I told, and not the like real life experiences I necessarily had. So those are more implanted in my brain than anything, and that's like that—that's part of it. When you grow up in in make believe, make believe becomes a, sort of a part of your DNA, sort of by osmosis, I guess.
0: I mean, did you have a favorite bedtime story or routine when you were a kid?
1: My my parents, uh, my parents didn't necessarily read us a lot of bedtime stories. Like would. I grew up in Ireland. It's 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 like very culturally rich in like storytelling, um, like lots of Irish folklore, which I think is is so beautiful and um, such a part of our of our like storytelling history. But like for me personally, I, uh, I mean, I loved I loved the Harry Potter books. I was I was a fervent reader of those and like just the magic of it all. In fact, it made me very jealous that I wasn't in the Harry Potter movies, not that I even auditioned didn't even to gotcha. almost get there. But I just remember being so jealous of those kids and those that experience because what a what a magical thing to bring to life. Like not necessarily to film, because film sets are green screens and blue screens and four A. M. in the desert. But um just to bring those that magic to life must have been very, very special.
0: And then so what is your what is your bedtime routine now? How do you how do you wind things down? As
1: a as a as a 32-year-old, it's usually it's usually my uh my own scripts pages that I that I'm reviewing at night, which are my own bedtime story. And actually, interestingly enough, or maybe not interesting at all, I go to sleep learning my lines. Like I read my lines at night. I know them, of course, but I say them in my sleep repetitively and not like out loud, but I wake up knowing like having that dialogue so imprinted on my brain it's like it's very interesting i'll read like a article before i go to bed and i'll just i'll know it better the next morning than i maybe even understood it the night reading it so my brain does something strange with stories it sort of like regurgitates constantly throughout the night in a weird way
0: but is it a restful sleep because that doesn't sound restful to me
1: i don't even know anymore probably not
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> do you sleep well I do. I like to shut it down completely. I have a little bit of red wine, uh, which I have here, and then sleepy time tea oh, is yeah. uh, the 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 extra sleepy time tea, <laughs> uh, which is it's pretty much a narcotic. If I'm if I'm in bad shape, I'll take some uh, yeah. some melatonin. Yeah, I don't mess with ambient I'm I, Ambien. Yeah. I am terrified of sleepwalking and doing strange things. I've heard stories, and Me too. I just. I have a wild imagination, so melatonin is like perfect. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So my daughter, mm-hmm. my my eight year old Mara, she's written out some words. I'm excited. Put them in a hat. Okay uh some prompts for our first story so what we're gonna do i'm being very we curious, are going by to...
1: the way i have a blank page to write down the words so i can
0: oh you know. you, okay <laughs> you don't need to take notes just, you're
1: see <laughs> so just for my own implication i need to take the notes so, but like it's not like i have the story pre-written
0: I'm well no because you can it's coming from your head Absolutely. so i have no idea okay. what she pulled uh, I do know that she had St. Patrick's Day on her mind, um, <laughs> so it's actually fitting that our first guest is is Irish. And actually, my children are more Irish than anything else. Uh, I love them. Um, So who knows what this will lead to? But yeah. we're going to do a story duel where I will. You know what? I'll have you. You're you're our guest. You you kick it off. Okay. Okay. Why don't you kick it off, and you will talk for about you know. 20 to 30 seconds and whenever you stop i just have to pick up that story and take it from there and now i just want to remind our listeners that the spirit behind these stories is to put your children to sleep so they may be rambly uh, they may be incoherent at times. There's no three act structure and we are completely unprepared and we are just going to wing it because this is something I do with my daughter almost every night where I just pick a word off the top of my head and I tell a random story. So I hope you guys enjoy what we have for you. So the word I can barely read <laughs> or writing. No, <laughs> oh so the word she chose for me is nerd okay nerd okay so we're going to riff on the word nerd (laughs) and i will remind our listeners and our guests that this is a (laughs) kid-friendly story but have fun with it okay
1: This story begins in the shed in the back of this old computer store. It's been uh, renovated over the years, but it has this dusty smell to it. Wires everywhere. And we meet Marcus. He is 72 years old. He has the longest gray beard with about three braids hanging low. He has a grin, like a secretive grin. He knows more than he ever lets on. And right behind him, right behind the desk of this old computer store is Neil. Neil has a beautiful little set of glasses on, his little shorts on, and he's sitting there curled up behind the desk, away from any customers or gazing eyes, and he has these wires in his hands. He's staring at them with almost disbelief.
0: Because he's never seen wires quite like this. He's used to the standard, the blue, the white, and the red. But there's something special about these wires. One is gold, one is silver, and one is the darkest black he has ever seen in his life and they're beautiful. And he feels something when he holds those those wires. He feels like there's something special about them. But he doesn't want to make a big deal about it. He's he's only been working at the shop for a few days and he wants to do a good job and he's been told, you know, you just You put your wires where they need to go, and you move on to the next job. But he can't stop thinking about these wires. So anyway, he he puts them into a digital clock and carries on to the next job. The
1: next day, when Neil wakes up, she hears a rapid ticking sound coming from the store. And Neil only sleeps in the back room, so he can usually hear when things are happening in the store, but not the sound of a ticking clock. But it's rapid, it's like a like a heartbeat, faster than a heartbeat, uh, fluctuating between Morse code and almost like an alarm. He gets out of bed, comes into the store. It's pitch black. The moonlight is fading and the sun is coming up and he's looking around and the clock is glowing this beautiful glitter like light is is emerging from it and he can't take his eyes off it. He realizes it's not even plugged into anything the wires are there and there there from when he left it the night before but it's not attached to any electricity he thinks about waking up his boss who's also his uncle, but he doesn't want to. He wants to do a good job. He wants to make sure that he's done everything correct. So he sits on the floor. Again, he's staring at the clock and it's numbers are moving at a rapid pace. It goes from 5.50 in the morning to 4.15 AM and he can't really understand what's happening. He checks all around him. He checks to see if it's maybe connected to some sort of Wi-Fi. He can't figure it out. And he looks at it, and is holding it to his face, and it stops. The light stops emerging, the digits stop flickering, and there's like a calmness he feels, a sense of mystery, a sense of excitement. He doesn't quite understand what he's found, but he hears a humming, this low, beautiful hum that mesmerizes him, that connects him oddly to this clock and suddenly he hears the footsteps of of Marcus of of his of his uncle standing behind him and Marcus says oh no you found it
0: I found what and Marcus says to him go ahead you've come this far put your hand on the clock go ahead I promise you Everything will be fine, but put your hand on the clock." So he looks at his Uncle Marcus, he looks at the clock, and he slowly reaches his hand towards the clock, and he puts his hand on the clock, and Marcus says, "'Now close your eyes,' and as he closes his eyes, a jolt sends shockwaves through his body, but not in a painful, I've been struck by lightning kind of way, or I stuck my finger in a socket after my parents told me not to do that. But the most otherworldly, pleasant shock you could ever imagine. And when he opened his eyes, he was not in the shop anymore. He was in a field. And all around him were the most beautiful flowers, and like these tall grasses, like grass that you just you don't find most places, especially not in Los Angeles. Well, maybe now because there's been some rain, but it was it was magical grass, and he would just the, the feeling of it. He would just he would stick his hands out and, and run his fingers through it. And, and there, were, there were birds chirping all around, and there were, there were butterflies, like the, the colors, it was most beautiful colors. And then in the distance, he saw a tree. And the tree only had three branches. One was gold, one was silver, and the other was the darkest black you've ever seen. And so, of course, he was drawn to the tree. And amidst this world of color, it wasn't scary to him. It, it, it was stark in contrast. But he knew it was good because he had held those wires in his hands and he, he knew that it was the right thing to do. So he walked towards the tree. And he got closer and closer to the tree. And he heard a voice in the woods. And the voice said,
1: Following me. Did it sound like his uncle? He didn't think so. Was it God? He had no idea what that even meant. But all he could know is that it felt right. The leaves were blowing on this three-branched tree. The vines around him were moving in unison. It was like a song. There was an energy. There was an electricity to this land. There was something he couldn't even catch his breath. He looked around, he looked around for who was speaking to him, and the sound seemed to be emerging from this tree. It was almost like all of life, all of the field and the gardens around him, all of the green depended on this one tree for energy. Leo felt ex- exhilarated. He is someone who has grown up playing video games. He is someone who's grown up watching movies and TV shows, reading mag- mangas and magazines. He he's lived his life in a book. He has lived his life feeling maybe a little small. And here he feels grand. He's he he stands tall. He walks with purpose. He feels important. He feels like there's a calling. And once again, he hears the voice. Neil, follow me. He stands closer and closer. He edges towards the tree and he puts the exact same hand that he placed on that clock. And he feels this bolt, this energy, this electricity. He is electricity. If there were flame, he feels as though if he raised his hands to the air, flames would emerge. And once again, he hears a sound. Is it his grandpa? Is it his uncle? He's not sure, is it? And it says, hold on tight. And suddenly the tree gets sucked into the ground. It gets sucked and as if through the wires of energy he has passed through under the earth. Like a tiny dot of light zooming through these tiny wires in the eco-structure of of the whole planet. And he's dropped. right back into the office, right back into that computer store. He doesn't quite understand what happened. He's, he's both scared and out of breath. He, is, he has tears in his eyes, but a smile on his face. He has all the emotions and all the things that you would fear and all the emotions you would feel of joy. And Marcus stares at him and asks, so what did you see? Neil is, is gobsmacked he is awestruck. He doesn't know what to say. And he asks, Uncle, have you have you experienced this? And Marcus says,
0: I have, and I've been waiting until you were ready to share this with you. I know that, as a boy, you were often ridiculed and called a nerd at school. So you didn't have many options but to work in my nerdy computer shop. But uh, it's pretty darn cool being a nerd, isn't it?
1: Full circle.
0: (laughs) Well done.
1: (laughs) We did it. That was so much fun.
0: That was impressive stuff. Uh,
1: I thought that was good riffing.
0: That was great. Uh we
1: should do a film together, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, one day. <laughs> Is Sarah Bolger ready for her solo story? I
1: think so. I think so.
0: I think you're very ready. I think you carried the load on that one. I was just along <laughs> for the ride. How about so this, that was... though,
1: if there's a moment where you see me faltering, you should you should you should you have a beautiful melodic voice. You ch- you chime in if there's a if there's a lagging moment.
0: Well, Thank you. I think I have a very boring voice, which helps my daughter go to sleep. That's why we're doing this. I have more words Yes. to pick out, and uh, we'll just go. All right. So your story prompt for your solo story mm-hmm. is horseshoe. 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 Your story prompt is horseshoe. It's difficult to say sometimes. It is
1: true. Horseshoe.
0: You really got to break that up. You do, yeah. You really got to break Just that up. Just
1: singular horseshoe.
0: Singular. All right. Horseshoe. Right.
1: I'm going to make this story an Irish story. I don't know if anyone has ever spent any time in Ireland, but there's this beautiful coastal town off the coast of Wicklow. Mountains as far as the eye can see. Little villages on pockets of hillsides and... Mountains that are so green That you can breathe in deep And feel nature That's what Martha said About her beautiful town The town of Sim City Wicklow Now it was famous for so much It was famous for the landscape It was famous for uh, For farming But it was really famous With this one horse This one horse Called Cavan Cavan was lightning speed Cavan was so beautiful that if you blinked, you'd miss her, running across the landscape. And Martha was her owner. Martha loved Cavan so much. So much that her world revolved around Kevin. Waking up in the mornings to brush her down and braid her beautiful hair. To train the jockeys, the people who rode the horses, professionally. Martha was too tall to be a jockey. She would lanky features and beautiful long hair and was about Six foot tall, but she had a way with horses. She had the ability to run beside them, free and with an open heart. She had a she had a willingness to just be outside in the rain and the snow and the sunshine. All she wanted to do was spend time with Calvin the horse. And Calvin had this huge show coming up, a huge show in Wicklow, Ireland. You'd race twelve other horses, and it was this brilliant, prestigious event. And Martha loved going She felt so proud to show off her fine work Show off her fine friend And she was getting her ready One morning, the morning before the event Brushing her down Waxing her cavern's coat Making her feel beautiful, making her feel ready Making her feel loved, making her feel Settled, feeding her the right food Giving her the right water And it was this gorgeous day Where the sun shone brightly and Martha felt at peace and She was putting on Cavan's horseshoes, nailing them in like you do. And she realized one was missing. She realized that she'd gone all this way. She'd gone out to the fields. She was setting her up for corsage, getting, getting all the things ready. And there was just one missing. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe she made this error. It would be so dangerous for Cavan to run the speed she runs without being protected. It made Martha's heart drop. She would never put her friend, never put the, her friend Cavan, into such a, uh, precarious situation. So Martha runs home. She runs home as fast as she can. She, she gets, she looks through every drawer, every desk, every shelving unit, everything you can imagine, so she can get Cavan the horse ready. And she can't find it. She can't find it anywhere. She runs up to her mother. She's like, please, mother, please help me. Like, I know you've been doing this for years. Is there any way we can just figure this out and, and get it sorted? And mother, Her mother says, don't even worry about this. Don't you even fret. This will sort itself out. So they go to town, right in Wickler. They go to the the little town and little village. And Martha walks into the store, agriculture store, and tries to figure out a way. So it fits. It's all right. She has only two hours left. And she's in the store, and she she sees Michael. And Michael has bright green eyes and a smile that could... Woo, an entire room. Michael and Martha have known them. You know, known probably each other since they were young. They went to school together. And he says to her, "You look, you okay?" Martha, can I help you? You, you look, you look upset. You look worried. Is there anything I can do for you? And she's like, "I am missing this one horseshoe, and Kevin has this very important race coming up, and I just want to get her ready. I really want to protect her. I want to make sure she's safe. I want to make sure she's prepared." And Michael's like, let's get this fixed. So together, they run out to this barn and they borrow the last piece of metal possible. This is the sturdiest, most industrious metal. And Michael gets his hammer and they carve it down. And she's so grateful. She's so grateful that this essential, you know, childhood friend would do so much for her. ...would care so much about her and things that are important to her... ...that he would go out of his way... ...to do something like this... ...for her. She's standing behind him... ...watching him... mold this last horseshoe. She feels so grateful. She feels so grateful that for all the things in her life... ...for all the moments where... ...she's felt lucky... ...and felt loved... ...and felt supported. Because... ...when she went to school... People thought she was a fool for wanting me in a question. said, go to business school, go get a law degree, go get a science degree. She's like, no, I just want to train my horse. I just want to be in the field. I just want to be outside. And for someone like Michael, who works in a store and has a conventional job, perhaps for him to bend over backwards to help her and make her dreams come, come true, meant the world to her. Now she took this horseshoe and she runs back She runs back as fast as she can Galloping Her her hair blowing in the wind She herself is like is like a horse galloping through the fields of Ireland And rushes back to Kevin and is able to fix this one horseshoe Gets Kevin ready 12 minutes left to the race And she's sitting on the sidelines She's just she to stop herself from biting her nails and all the horses are ready. There is a silence. There's a silence in the air. And when that warning goes up, Kevin bolts out of the stables. It is a race like you've never seen. There is a fire burning within this horse's stomach. She is racing through the field. She is overtaking every single horse and every single jockey. She is laps ahead. Martha can't stop herself. She feels tears streaming down her face. She feels... So- proud of all her life's work of all that she has done of all that she has achieved and when Kevin finally crosses that finish line when she wins the race when she gets that medal Martha walks right up to Kevin and she looks her horse dead in the eye and she's like thank you thank you for everything thank you for making me feel valid thank you for making my dreams come true And thank you for letting me live the exact life I have always wanted to live. This horse, glistening with sweat, and a shining braid. You see them walk away. You see the sunset, and both hair glistening in the wind between Cavan and and Martha. It's it's something that is almost magical. It almost looks like seaweed combining in the water. Like there is a connection that we can't even describe to one another. That's a friendship and that's a beauty in life, these small moments, these small victories and these wonderful experiences. And that is what they share in the quiet town of Sim City, Wicklow, Ireland.
0: Thank you to Sarah Bolger for coming on tonight and helping us weave some incredible stories. Hopefully the kids are fast asleep. Parents, if you're still awake, be sure to catch Sarah on Mayans MC on FX and Hulu. Thank you and have a good night.